0: we really wanted to make a, a a a simpler raw record in the room that we uh started the band practicing in.
1: welcome to growing up punk the podcast about punk rock and all its friends my name is david and my friend is aaron this week's episode is my interview with Tim Brown. He sings and plays guitar in the Colorado band Elway. Elway isn't a new band, exactly. In fact, they've got a handful of full-lengths and other releases under their belts. Their latest album, however, The Best of All Possible Worlds, which came out earlier this year, is my introduction to the band. So in this episode, Tim shares a few songs that influenced him and uh, you know, kind of who he owes. He says... The band's sound, too, if that makes sense, as well as some songs from the Elway Library. He shares uh, some of his thoughts and uh, stories behind those songs. Before we get into it, just some housekeeping to get out of the way. Go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also join our Patreon. We've got merch available. Links for all of those things are available in the show notes or in the links of our social media bios. And of course, wherever you're listening to the show, subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, now's an opportunity. Hit that subscribe button. You can also, you know, rate and review the show, which helps get it into more people's ears. It helps recommend it to other listeners. Uh, An easy way to do that is you can just share the episode with friends as well. Anything helps grow the show. All right, let's get on with it. This is my interview with Tim Brown of Elway. right, well, why don't we, um, I guess, go back to the beginning, as it were. Uh, Do you remember the first punk or hardcore band or song or album or whatever it was that kind of turned you onto the the scene?
0: Um, I think that the the first punk song that I ever heard and really uh, loved was riding the bus to school, and I was in, like, third or fourth grade or something. And... uh, somebody on the bus had a boombox and was playing uh, Bad Habit by The Offspring. I nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. And,
0: Offspring's... uh, yeah, being like a third, you know, in a third grade or whatever, in like a song that says stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker. Yeah. I was over the moon.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can remember, um, listening to that song. I want to say it was grade six, uh, when I heard it, which I don't know when when did that album come out cuz that would have when I was in grade 6 that would have been 95 96 So uh, it's, I
0: mean it was on Smash so 94 right
1: Yeah okay yeah um and so like that was the first time I can remember hearing it and being in class with class it was similar similar thing actually is it was uh, you know one of the students in my class in in same class as me that uh, we had like um a CD player must have been a CD player in the room and the teacher must not have been in there because they put it on And that song came on, and for like the rest of the year, we would just randomly break out in that line, right? Because you feel so cool (laughs) singing (laughs) that as a young kid, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. It's still like, uh, what? What are your? I guess what are your overall thoughts on The Offspring? Because they're like one of those bands where eventually I just I lost interest in them, but like that record is still incredible to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean that one, and I mean. That one, Ixnay on the Ombre and yeah. Americana, too. Like yeah. I mean, When Americana came out, I was in middle school. and I mean, I was in like sixth grade or something. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, I was uh, fucking stoked when that came out. I mean, I still think those three records are great. Do I listen mm-hmm. to them very often? Definitely not. Right. But, uh, I mean, I still... I still probably would remember all the words to any of the songs on those three records. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I really don't like jokey punk songs, though. Sure. And like, yeah. Yeah. The Outspring's the most egregious offender of jokey punk songs, I think.
1: Yeah. they. It's funny because did they? I mean, I guess they had some that were like on Ixne and Smash and stuff that were. I don't know if there are any on Smash that were kind of less serious or whatever. Not necessarily serious, but jokier. Whereas, like, Ixnay, I always thought the song, like, Mota or whatever was kind of a weird one to me. Then, of course, when Americana came out, like, I loved Americana. Um, it was one of those ones where it's one of those few records where as soon as it's on, it takes me to a specific place, right? Like, hanging out with my buddies, playing Goldeneye in his basement or whatever, <laughs> listening oh, yeah. to Americana. But there, it's it's interesting because I feel like the offspring. Yeah. They were a pop punk punk rock band. Um, but they almost ran like, I felt like most of the people that I knew who were into them were also like more so into say like new metal than other punk. If yeah. that makes sense. Uh, they yeah, kind
0: of they, they have like, uh, uh, they're <laughs> kind of like bro snowboarder music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, Yeah, you're right, though. Some of those records, you put them on now. And there's some, for sure, some great songs, even on Americana. Like, The Kids Aren't All Right. man. That's Yeah, like, there's some of those songs that come on where I'm just like, man, this band could have been so much better. And, like, for me, like, obviously there are people who like them, and they can like them. That's totally their thing. But they just, in a similar way, kind of lost me with, you know, maybe the jokier songs. And Dexter's vocals were always a little weird for me, too. But, I mean that is you know it is what it is but um if you had to pick between the offspring and afi who would you pick afi hands down
0: I, oh yeah i mean like yeah. afi has so offspring's got three records that are great sure. afi has like five that are great
1: right yeah yeah and
0: i i, I fell into like uh in high school i like fell into a uh black sails in the sunset the art of drowning wormhole mm. those are two of my favorite records of right on. all time yeah and even though nowadays I have no idea what AFI is up to, something goth, I'm guessing. Eh. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's the thing is like they're a band too where it's it's funny because when I was into them, it would have been Sing the Sorrow, I think was the record. Um, and that was like the one that I knew the most. But when I go back and listen to it now, I'm like, I don't really recognize this record too much for whatever reason even though I remember really liking it but then if I listen to the stuff that came before that that's now where I'm more like oh like they're a really fun band you know like at one point whereas I don't know if they got just too too goth or serious for me maybe like yeah, uh, going down that line
0: Trying to, like, make, like, stadium goth music or something. I mean, yeah. Sing the Sorrow is actually, I think, my favorite AFI record. Sure, yeah. Is, it, it came out, and, I mean, the guitar playing on it is so intricate and awesome. Mm-hmm. It's not as fast or aggressive, though There is there are two or three songs on there that are, like, pretty aggressive. But, uh, I mean, it was, like, a, a real nice, like... I don't know, Goldilocks zone between whatever the fuck it is they're doing now and where (laughs) they came from, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still slash that record every once in a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. What, uh, do you remember kind of a band or whatever that was like that made you want to pick up a guitar, made you want to start writing and playing music? Or was it just sort of something that it was a culmination of just falling in love with music?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I started playing guitar when I was 11 and like the songs that I was trying to learn were like, uh, either like classic rock songs that my parents listened to yeah. or like Blink 182 mm-hmm. or like really weird shit that was popular at the time. Like, uh, like Ramstein.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Cause as soon as you said really weird shit that was popular at that time, I was like, is he going to say Ramstein? <laughs> 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 and you did, which is, I mean, that's cool. I was like, like I was listening to the song Du Hast semi recently. It came up and I was like, man i remember you know again when i was when that song came out like i thought it was pretty great it was it was you're right though it was so weird right like just so kind of different from anything else i was listening to at the time but yeah before
0: i ever got into punk rock i kind of i I would like really dug industrial music sure yeah uh and i was and i listened to a lot of nine inch nails and ministry and uh frontline assembly and shit and 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 front two, four, two and all that garbage. And then, (laughs) uh, also Ramstein too. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, and it turns out I just like, I wasn't, uh, into bondage enough or whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't stick around with you. You (laughs) I like it. Um, that's too far. That riff though, in Du host is still a banger riff.
0: Oh, there's, there are a bunch of songs that I still, I, without any irony, really fucking like by that. yeah.
1: Yeah. their
0: First three records.
1: Sure. I don't know if I could name any outside of do I like, I think there wasn't, I feel like they had another single that came out after that. Maybe that, um, I'd probably, I mean, they're obviously a recognizable band just by hearing them. But, uh, as far as knowing songs and song titles, that's kind of where, where it ends for me. But, uh, so what, you know, you picked up the guitar, you're playing, you're 11 years old. At what point in time were you like, I want to play in a band. I want to, you know, get in front of people and do my thing. Um, Was that early on, like when you were hearing some of those, I guess you could say more polished bands? Uh, Or was it, you know, kind of like hearing something that was a little more like, holy shit, I could do this?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, when I was in middle school and I first was starting to play the guitar, uh, I'd go over to uh, my friend David's house and his dad was like, uh, you know, like a, a younger dude who, I mean, like maybe at the time he was like 30 Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or something like that. And uh, maybe even younger, I don't really know, but he was like a skater and like, I would go over there with my like world industries fucking skate deck. I got at zoomies and stuff that I didn't (laughs) know how to do shit on. And we would like skate in their uh, backyard. They have this like concrete slab underneath their porch or whatever. It was just like, try and fail to do fucking kickflips and shove-its and stuff. Yeah. And uh he listened to a bunch of uh like contemporary music, you know? He wasn't like my parents who were like old hippies and yeah. listened to like classic rock and folk and shit. Uh and he was listening to like Radiohead and uh and most importantly Bad Religion.
1: Gotcha, okay yeah.
0: And got me into got me into Bad Religion. And it wasn't until like I uh, got really into that and like, and playing songs are like, well, like actually pretty easy for a person yeah. who's only been playing guitar for a year or two or whatever. Yeah. that's when I decided that I wanted to like make a band with my friends, and it took years before I had something that worked. But yeah,
1: uh. yeah. Um, so, like the band Elway, which is what we're here to talk about. Uh, at what point in time did that kind of come around in your? i guess your your journey through music and playing like had you had several bands before that point or were they you know one that kind of came together early on
0: Uh, i had some smaller projects and then in high school like i was in like a like a street punk band for like four years called the commies Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. i mean we fucking sucked but (laughs) uh but it was like my first foray into playing punk shows and stuff in colorado springs uh and, uh, you know, in our in my hometown of Monument and stuff. And uh, when I moved to college, uh, I was all of a sudden just away from all of the dudes that I'd been playing in a band with and yeah. kind of uh, finding people to play with up there and then wound up forming 10 for Elnor there in uh, 2007, which became Elway. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. So, yeah, it was like my second like band that actually did shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, had you recorded with the commies at any point, or was that more mostly just playing shows?
0: There's some recordings uh, somewhere. <laughs> they're uh, out there. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're on the internet. Uh, I fucking hope they're not. I definitely <laughs> have like a CDR or two around yeah, somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a real uh, <laughs> raunchy affair that is not very well recorded.
1: But <laughs> it's a. Hey, you know what? Sometimes those are the best. Um, yeah or at least the the most fun to listen to. Maybe that's the way to put it. Uh, cuz I've definitely got floating around CDs out there somewhere of stuff that was recorded in my basement with my high school band or whatever, but um let's uh I got you to pick three songs from bands that uh influenced you whether it was the band in general or the song or what have you. Uh so we're going to dive into those now. I tried to um Tried to put them in order that it looks that, that they were released, so we'll kind of work from oldest to newest, as long as uh, it was accurately listed on uh on Apple Music. But we're gonna start with a band that you actually just mentioned. Uh, that would be Bad Religion off their album Recipe for Hate. This is Skyscraper. Come let us make bricks and burn them hard. We'll build a city
2: with a dollar for the world. Anything we may propose Anything At all (laughs)
1: <laughs> I just the other day went to a show here in Edmonton and uh, one of the bands that played, it was like a benefit for like a local uh, organization that works with the homeless uh, population. And um, it was like this family event put on by an organization called Rad Dads. And the the like headliner, I guess you could say, uh, was a band called Dad Religion that just plays bad religion covers. It was pretty great. But um, so, I mean, what's... The, Bad Religion is, I mean, obviously you mentioned them as being one of those bands that just, like, got you going. And I I know for a lot of people they're one of those bands. I always love, I guess, like, that Bad Religion, like, sway. I don't know if that's the right word, but every melody and every song just kind of, like, has this absolute, like, perfect flow to it. If that's, like... I don't know how to describe it, but I've always loved the way that they they write songs, for sure. Even if they're not one of my favorite bands, like they're not one I listen to a ton. Um, as soon as they come on, A, you know who they are, and B, they grab your ear. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, at, at the time that I was getting into punk rock, uh, bands like Blink-182 and The Offspring uh, were... And Green Day were like really popular. There's yeah. a lot of that stuff that, and like the stuff that you hear first because, you know, there isn't just Spotify back then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. like the stuff that's on MTV or whatever or gets played on a, <clears throat> our local radio station, our like rock radio station in Colorado Springs is called 943 Kilo. And I'd stay up all night, like, hoping to hear a song that wasn't, like, Puddle of Mud or Stained or whatever. Right, yeah. And, uh, and you know, so you'd listen to Blink-182 or whatever, or The Offspring. And something about those bands, even though I loved some of their songs, and I still love some of their songs, it was just, like, a little bit too, I don't know, it just sounded happy even when they were sad songs. And I think right, that it was yeah. because I... I didn't. I was too young to understand that I fucking hated how polished the production was. Sure. And, uh, and Bad Religion was the kind of band that that had a, what I considered to be like the the requisite amount of dirt to mm-hmm. to sound like they're an actual punk band. But then it didn't fall off the other edge where they start to sound like crass or something because that shit turned me off as well. Sure. And sure. so Bad Religion was the first band where it's was like, I love the way these songs are arranged. I love that they're fast and aggressive but not like doesn't sound like it was recorded in a car stereo, but it doesn't sound like it would play on TRL between Christina Aguilera and NSYNC, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was such a weird time. Like, the, like obviously, like, Blink-182, Newfound Glory, bands like that, like, yeah, they were super poppy, but it still, like, blows my mind a little bit that they were literally running parallel with, um, with some of those, you know, pop stars. And it's funny, because, like, Blink would make videos where they were completely mocking that side of the music industry. And yet it would play right alongside a Backstreet Boys video or whatever. So little bit mind blowing to me that it ever got to that point. But I know what you're saying, you know, with, cause like those were bands too, that I, I for sure got into and still love some of them more than others. Um, but it wasn't what drew me into the world of punk and hardcore. Like it opened that door, right? Like it is that, it is that gateway or what have you, but, it just kind of led me in a similar way to be like, I just want something that's got a little bit more substance or grit to it. Yeah. Like, the, I mean, Blink-182 sounded sounded punk, but I
0: mean, by the time that Enema, State, Enema of the State came out, it was not really what I considered to be like a yeah. punk band. You know, they're playing stadiums. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think with, so I grew up in a town called Monument, Colorado just north of Colorado Springs Colorado extremely conservative place Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of evangelical churches and then the United States Air Force Academy is there. military bases Air Force bases all I mean it's just a a real who's who of who the fuck wants to hang out with these people it is like the just military people and fundamentalist Christians. And this is where my hippie parents decided they wanted to live, you know? And so uh, I I was adversarial to this from a young age and I didn't really necessarily even understand why, but I was. And um, to like see... Bad Religion records, and there's just a fucking crucifix with like the no smoking thing over top of it. I think that that's something that was like fetching to me as like a a young shithead because I I wanted to I wanted to be like yeah exactly fuck all you people I fucking hate all these kids in school and like I don't like you know I don't like Jesus and I don't like religion and this band kind of like. Had a really nuanced take, uh, and, uh, and like sophisticated lyrics that really well written songs, yes. yeah, uh, that spoke to my developing political and religious leanings, you know. Yeah,
1: do you find it at all ironic that years later they would start releasing like Christmas albums? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I kind of think they're leaning into the irony more than anything, right? But it's uh, I always think it's funny when. You know, you think about bad religion, and then they've got these like pretty legit, you know, banging Christmas like versions of old Christmas carols.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've I've listened to them, uh, <laughs> and. You know, I get it. I get it. I mean, Battlejin is one of those bands that uh, I, I haven't, I haven't stayed incredibly up to date on them. Like, I don't know of every song off their last few albums, but I always listen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Christmas thing happened, I was just like, I mean, okay, yeah. But also, I mean, they're fucking like sixty. You know, right, was like, yeah. I I just saw them with Alkaline Trio a few months ago, and uh, it occurred to me. Listening to them play that "How Could Hell Be Any Worse" song, that song was forty three years old.
1: Jeez, (laughs) and I was
0: like, "Jesus Christ, this song is almost ten years older than I am." Uh, And they're just, you know, you can't, you can't have like uh, be on the absolute bleeding edge of uh, of music insurgency for half of a century, you know. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) So yeah,
0: in short. Yeah, it's kind
1: of lame that they do Christmas records. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big fan of Christmas music in general, but I, I kind of like... You know, chuckling because I'm assuming, like I said, I haven't like looked up to see if they've said anything in interviews or anything like that, but I feel like they're probably just leaning into the irony of a band called Bad Religion uh, releasing and, and not even like, oh, Santa Claus is coming to town, but like legit, you know, traditional Christmas carols and hymns and whatever. And I think that's it's I don't know, it's it is what it is, but yeah, Hark um, the Herald Angels Sing. Yeah, whatever. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so was this was Recipe for Hate the first Bad Religion record that you heard?
0: Yeah, so uh, we're skating at my friend David's house, and his dad's playing "American Jesus," sure, uh, yeah. the single from Recipe for Eight, and I was like, uh, floored. I fucking loved it. It's uh, like I love that song, mm-hmm. and uh, I asked his dad if I could bring the CD home because my dad had a, uh, a an external CD uh, CD-ROM drive that could yeah, bur- yeah. that could burn music. Yeah. It's like you had to put the disc in a caddy. You remember that shit? It's like yeah, you put the disc in the caddy, and then load the caddy into the drum. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I like ripped the songs, and so I could put it in my Winamp on my computer.
1: Did you <laughs> did you download custom skins for your Winamp? Fuck yeah, I
0: did. Dude, I had one that one was like that was <laughs> it was the Godzilla. Remember when like the 1998 version of Godzilla came oh, out yes. with Matthew Broderick?
1: Yeah. I had one that was like Godzilla themed. Oh man, that soundtrack is was absolutely incredible uh, i uh, love the version of uh brain stew is it brain stew yeah, with, where yeah. it's like the with roar the, of the godzilla
0: yeah. in between the notes
1: <laughs> yeah. <Dang> it! but <laughs> then like rage against the machine had i think no shelter is that what was on that um yeah they had and a then, song um and
0: then there's that puff daddy song that with, fucking used with the Jimmy cash Page. guitar part yeah, or whatever. Yeah.
1: I mean that that listed it said featuring Jimmy Page, so I don't know if it was a sample or if Jimmy Page actually played it again for the track, or if it was like a sample and they're like, all right, to use it, like we'll credit Jimmy Page featuring him or whatever. But I for sure remember that. And then like the first time I heard the song "Kashmir" would have been after that, like knowingly listening to this song as Led Zeppelin, and I was like, wait a second. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is from that Puff Daddy song.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the music video for that song is fucking insanity. Oh, this, it was like in in the middle of like, you know, the time where music videos sold platinum records. Right. So so you know, major labels would put a shit ton of money into them. And it's like this video is like like Puff Daddy, <laughs> Diddy Dirty Money himself, in yeah. like a fancy apartment, and then he turns on the TV and it's like a news reporter talking about how Godzilla is attacking New York, and then all of a sudden Godzilla just like destroys the apartment that he's in, and he's like <laughs> falling out of a building, and it's like an action movie. Uh, <laughs> fucking excellent video. But anyway, um, yes, recipe for hate, right? Yes, loaded, yeah. loaded into my Winamp, and uh, I didn't have a lot of music in my Winamp. It was like that and like Papa Roach's Last Resort, you know, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just fucking. I listened to that album over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, I know it like the back of my hand, but Skyscraper wound up being my favorite song off of cool. that record. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: I love the harmonies and the guitar solo.
1: Uh, yeah. The the harmonies are, I mean, is there, a bad, is there a single Bad Religion song out there without, you know, those classic Bad Religion harmonies? Because it is, again, it's like one of their, like, I guess, staples to their sound or what have you. And they do it so well. Bad, I like... I've sat down and thought about Bad Religion so many times as a, uh, yes, a punk band, but I feel like more realistically as like a folk band and not like a folk punk band, you know, like the acoustic guitars and all that kind of stuff and whatever you might think of that, but just like how heavily influenced they are by folk music, you know, like a Bob Dylan or what have you, just in like the strength of the lyrics and that the melodies feel a lot more traditional than, um, you know, like a, a melody, say, from, you know, like No Effects or Pennywise or what have you, right? Like, they feel a lot more rooted in traditional music than anything else. And that, the, the, I guess, two guitar solos on that song I'd love because it really just starts with a big, like, bend, squeal, and, you know, it's like, all right, I'm here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, they're, they're uh, they get the recognition they get for very good reason, I think yeah um,
0: ag- agree they're still kind of like if pressed i think i would say that they're my favorite band cool yeah uh, they're bands i listen to more but
1: yeah That's fair. I've only seen them live. I think the, maybe I, maybe I caught them a couple of times, like bits and pieces, like on warp tour or whatever, but just a couple of years ago, they were up here playing punk and Drublick with no effects and less than Jake. And I was like, I gotta go. I'd seen no effects before. I was like, I gotta go simply to see, uh, bad religion. So I'm glad I did. Um, it was a great day, but, uh, Let's roll in, I guess, to the next song that you brought, which is, I mean, compared to Skyscraper, it's a little bit newer, about 10 years newer by the looks of it. Um, But the Lawrence Arms and their song, Chapter 13 The Hero Appears.
2: The went dry, the blood thinned out, I scraped through a thousand layers of paint like years. The secrets in. I'm trying to find places to breathe now If this were a book, I'd call this song the final chapter If you read it, you'd be laughing If it could end right now The last lines would be My body jolted in and out of stolen sound waves The world expands or shrinks On any given Monday Tuesday evening dies blue Friday's window has its own view If this were a book I'd call this song the final chapter If you read it You'd be laughing If you could end right Lines worthy. be Good brand, I love you One light, you shall have Answers in your ear Lights streaming by on stiff necks Connected blurs, Brenda, the sign of things Keep on counting then Or maybe hold your breath Trying to exhale you softly Don't be so vain I'm not impressed in past tense I don't do impressions The blood has dried Now I can wash my hands with tears to cry If you can't breathe,
1: One of the things I love about doing these discovering episodes where I get artists to share songs that influence them is it provides an opportunity, or almost like forces isn't the right word, but. It uh maybe it is. It provides an opportunity for me to check out either bands I've never heard of or bands that I have heard of, but have just for one reason or another never really listened to. So the Lawrence Arms are one of those bands where I've had numerous people bring them up and and uh you know, here, there, and everywhere. In fact, there was uh there was someone I think it was on maybe it was on Instagram or something like that. He had like commented on one of our posts, he's like uh, about the bands we were talking about at the time. He's like, you should change the name of your podcast from Growing Up Punk to Growing Up Mall Punk, or at least talk about some real punk bands like the Lawrence Arms, were like one of the bands that he like name dropped. I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna change the name of the podcast now to Growing Up Mall Punk. But uh, that song, it's. I like coming out of these episodes and going, I know what I'm going to listen to when we are all done recording. Like before I go to bed tonight, I know something I'm going to listen to and it's going to be that record uh, because I, I don't know why it makes me think like, why did I ever not give this band a chance? If this is like any sort of sign of what they sound like, I am hundred percent in, although I did spend most of that song trying to figure out who the vocals remind me of <laughs> and I uh, well, can't that- figure it out. I mean, it's Chris
0: McCoggan, and I, I feel like uh, at his best, he he's kind of like a cleaner Blake Schwartz Schwartzenbach.
1: Okay, yes. I was going to say Jawbreaker was one that was definitely kind of like coming forward for me. But then also I think like, and maybe it's just because they're also from Chicago, but like Alkaline Trio is getting some kind of like similar vibes to, I want to say maybe, I, I was trying to think though, I was like, is it Matt Skiba I'm getting the vibes of, or is it Dan Andriano? I don't know. Maybe it's just like that alkaline trio sound that i'm kind of like going like which is a band i've i've loved and and still really enjoy so that's i think and jawbreaker as well why i'm like oh i need to sit down and listen to this a hundred percent
0: yeah well i mean Lawrence arms was forged in the same crucible as alkaline trio i mean yeah each other's eternal contemporaries but uh well i mean if you need a sales pitch for the greatest story ever told uh, (laughs) um it is it is Like I'll go beyond saying it's my favorite record of all time to say it is the best punk record of all
1: time. Amazing. So I've added it to my Apple music library with full intention of listening to it tonight when we are done.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I cannot express to you how everything from, the songwriting to the fact that it is it is like partially a concept record with
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh with like a bunch of thematic lyrical content and repeating like codas that get played throughout the record. the liner notes of the record have they give away like dozens of their literary references that they're mm-hmm. that are referencing in the in the books. This album made me want to change the way that I thought about punk music the way that I wrote songs made me. Invest my time in like weird literature and uh I I mean is imminently replayable. Everything everything about it to me is astounding and it's the best produced record of all time as well, as far as I'm
1: concerned. Well then I'm just gonna like end the interview now and I'm gonna go do that <laughs> and <then laughs> we'll reconvene in a few days. No, um that's amazing. I love when an album or a band can like do something like that where you go, yeah, I love the songs but they're also providing me with inspiration to go so much, whether it's deeper into the songs themselves or expand your horizons. Like you said, you mentioned like the literature that they're kind of referencing and stuff like that. Um, and the next band, even that we're going to listen to in a, in a moment here where they, they kind of do a very similar thing, maybe in a different way. I'm not sure the literature that you're referencing that the Lawrence arms references versus the next band we'll talk about, but, um, but I do love when a band kind of provides you with a jumping off point for more than just going for more than just like, well, that was 35 minutes of, you know, a good time. And there's nothing wrong with 35 minutes of fun either. Right. Like just going like, man, I bought my head along that whole time. Like that's, that's great too. But I definitely enjoy a band that puts kind of that extra, that extra little something into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the reason why I picked this song, uh, aside from, the fact that it is my favorite song on my favorite record is that uh in 2003 when this record came out um i was already like pretty full send into punk right yeah. but i was listening to you know no effects and bad religion and a lot of fucking a lot of like sort of samey epifat sounding yeah. music, yeah. right and it started getting into uh Stuff that was on Asian Man and Vagrant and and uh, No Idea and a couple of other and a couple of other smaller labels and then uh, getting more into pop punk. But like I mentioned earlier about how Blink One Eighty Two and the Offspring or whatever playing fast punk, but it was just a little bit too polished. And I, it took me hearing Bad Religion to find something that was like in the goldilocks zone that had the mm-hmm. right amount of dirt or whatever yeah and uh for me listening to newfound glory and all of the shit that was popular in 2003 like the early november and all that, that kind of yeah. shit and like thrice all of these bands like they lacked uh, uh i don't know a je ne sais quoi that made them seem like real to me mm. it was just too pop polished too poppy too snotty and uh when I first heard this record, my friend Drew uh, gave me his CD, uh, and I took it home. And I was like, and my my world changed forever because it was it was not it was it's still like polished, but it's not nasally poppy mtv sounding pop punk and it's not quite as dirty as pop punk that would like like dillinger 4 or 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 something like that where i feel like dillinger 4 is a little bit too gruff for me to get into at that age and and then later on obviously i i i managed to (laughs) but uh yeah just hit me at the perfect time and seemed to be the kind of band that had that was after my a a band after my own heart you know Mm. um and yeah i've i've, I've definitely i made a whole a real meal out of how much i fucking love this band and their songs because uh in case the for our listeners here they haven't heard my band we're definitely kind of living at least partially in the house in the lawrence arms
1: build. sure i can see that 100 um yeah, I had a quick question, as you mentioned thrice there. Did you, was there any point in their career where you were able to kind of like get into them a little bit? Because they're a band that has had such varied sounds over, you know, however many, what, I think they kind of got kicked off in the early 2000s there or whatever, so the past 20 plus years. Um, was there any record you were able to kind of get into a bit?
0: I think I liked a couple of songs off of The Artist and the Ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I don't really, in my head, Thrice is a type of punk song. Hmm. And not a song that I remember really. It's sure. like the the guitar is doing like a hammer-on pull-off lick where it's like da 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 and then it's minor but then the chorus is major. Yeah. Uh but I can't really I can't really remember anything that like super stuck with me. They, and then you
1: know, I was going to say they um they took a turn at well there was a whole cuz like the artist in the ambulance I like, absolutely loved, still love but they took a couple albums where I was like, I don't understand what you're doing. And they kind of got a little more experimental. Whereas like now as, as a grown ass man, I suppose I can go back in some of those records like beggars or, uh, I think it's called major minor, uh, which is funny that you just brought that up about the, you know, the minor verse and the major chorus sort of thing. Um, and then, uh, Oh, why can't I remember? They just released a record, a couple, not palms, and not their newest one, but there was one, their third record. That's now their third newest, I guess. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but they just like took on this sound where I was like, okay, you know, I can get a little bit more into this, but, uh, they're definitely a band. I don't, when people are like, eh, I never really got into them. I'm like, I can see why, like, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff to either love or a lot of stuff to kind of go, not my thing, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. And I love that you mentioned Vagrant Records because like Vagrant Records, No Idea Records, who you also mentioned in there is kind of like those other labels you started exploring. They were definitely the sound that I was more drawn to uh, as I was kind of, you know, graduating high school and, and kind of stepping out or whatever. Um, so uh, I love love going back on bands like that. But uh yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean the thing that I like that I appreciated about uh about thrice even though if was not like my favorite yeah but yeah. there are a lot of those bands that were taking elements of that like pop punk emo thing that was happening around that time mm-hmm. where it's like the songs are not just like stupid silly fun punk songs they're like emotive and the lyrics are actually yeah. uh you know well like well conceived and well thought out and they actually mean something mm-hmm. but there's I mean because there's so much Stupid fucking punk rock that I, I like. I, I I don't even I don't even care for the fucking genre most of the time because I don't <laughs> want to listen to fucking bands sing stupid songs about like sniffing glue or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh And like that's why you know thrice in a in a small way and the Lawrence Arms in a big way were bands that, that I connected with a whole lot because I yeah. just. Yeah. I demand more of my of my music if I'm going to listen to this fucking yeah. music for children. I want it to at least be smart. You know what yeah. I
1: mean? Well, it's interesting because Thrice, I think, is one of those bands that uh, if you listen to like lyrically, there's a lot going on there. But at the same point, they are, especially there was a period of time where they were very much uh, like a like a, I guess a religious band, a Christian band, right? Like Dustin Kensru was very much open about his spiritual beliefs. And it came through, like, I don't think the whole band was, I think it was mainly just him. And it, as the chief songwriter that came through on a lot of things. Um But at the same point, I always appreciated like how he went about writing about those things. Um And now I don't think that's, I don't think that's really a part of who he is anymore. Um, You know, however, however you want to look at that, but they, uh they're a band that I think as I got older, I kind of was able to appreciate them for more than just like, Oh man, I like that riff or I like the way his voice sounds when he yells, you know? So,
0: yeah, um, I mean, uh, it's, and also I don't really think that uh, being religious is necessarily a barrier for entry in terms of like playing punk. mm -hmm. I mean, I, or music in general, like I, I love page with the lion. Speaking of bands that were religious that are no longer religious. I mean, one of my very favorites ever and uh and i love sunday Day real estate as well and the smoking popes so i mean uh i think maybe when i was in high school uh if i would have been privy to the information that thrice is a christian band i would have been like ew yuck like i mean i'm not gonna listen to reliant (laughs) k or mxpx because in addition to being religious their songs are also all fucking stupid for the most
1: part oh man (laughs) mxpx okay so this is okay. F- I actually have there's an MXPX thing up on my wall here, but so they were the band that introduced me, like that kind of got me in to punk in general, right? Like, I mean, I'd heard Green Day, I'd heard The Offspring, I'd actually even, funny enough, listened to Sunny Day Real Estate because they were on that one Batman was it Batman Returns or Batman Forever soundtrack, whichever they were on a soundtrack,
0: one with Seal,
1: yes, that one, um, <laughs> which, uh, so I, you know. I've told the story about how that was like one of the first CDs I ever got. And it was on there, and I was the Offspring were also on there. But MXPX was like that first band where I was like, oh, I heard a song, and then I wanted to go buy more of their music. Now, this is what I will hands down say about MXPX. I absolutely love their record Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo, and I do really enjoy Life in General, the one before that. But mostly... Everything else, I'm kind of like, there's some songs I like and some songs I just couldn't care less for because there's, you know, they're stupid, goofy, whatever, right? Like cheesy. Um, But there'll always be a band where I go, they're the reason I got into music. Uh, And then they actually did have, I thought their their record Plans Within Plans, which came out, I want to say probably around 2012. It was like kind of like this return record they did. And again, they're like one of those bands that used to be Christian, right? Like they're all vocally, you know, no longer Christians or whatever. Um, But yet they, they sound real cheesy when they like swear in their music because they'll have like, I got to laugh on like their self-titled record that came out uh, a couple years ago. Now they've got a song. I can't even remember what it's called off the top of my head, rolling strong, I think. And then like on Apple music and stuff, it's got like that little explicit sign, but literally the swear in it is he says, rolling in this big ass van, (laughs) like is what he (laughs) says. I'm like, wait, like, why does that, you chose because I'm assuming they chose to put the explicit, you know, tag on it. I'm like, that's so weird to me but <laughs> yeah i mean anyway. you know
0: i just was never really into them i mean i know the chick yeah. magnet baseline Everyone um, does, yep. <laughs> yeah but uh and and we played with them in london i want to say in 2012 or something yeah. and uh mike that's the singer's name right yeah uh he shared his joint with me sick yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just um it always just i mean the the lyrics always seem just like uh, i mean like really puerile and 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 sophomoric and not that i'm like the greatest lyricist in the world but i like try to take myself a little more seriously they
1: are that is like for me that is the biggest drawback about that band as much as i've loved them over the years i know i feel like they only have two records where i'm like I can't think of a line on this record that I'm like that's stupid, you know, like or that seems cheesy or what have you. Whereas like they obviously they went through some records where like almost whole records. I'm like I can't I can't deal with this man, but um they're uh, I don't know they're they're one of those bands that I'll forever feel a certain kind of connection to because you know I think everyone has that first band where they're like I need to buy everything that's available. Like if they if someone has fallen in love with music and maybe it's more so you know in like those alternative kind of, um, you know, like genres, whatever whether it's, whether it's punk or metal or whatever, where they discover that band, they're like, I need to buy everything you've got out right now. And, uh, yeah, they, they definitely have, have some records that are far better than others. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Every, it's cool that everybody has that band. That
0: band was yeah. bad religion
1: for me. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Was... Right. Like, you know, yeah. and, um, your band was just a little smarter, <laughs> uh, but let's well, speak. Oh, as I was gonna say, speaking of smart bands, let's get into this last one here because uh, this band. any anyway, well, we'll play the song and then and then we'll talk about them a little bit. So from their record, Potemkin City Limits, uh, this is propaganda with name and address withheld. The
2: following views expressed do not. Let those of the prevailing auto Prostrate too. to Your naked kings Tainted the scenes of evil shrouds On foreign shores Shed no tears for the dead The dead of the endless list of Informal wars Justification
1: gandy is a they were a band that was uh supposed to be my return to live shows you know after everything was shut down from the pandemic i had tickets to see them and then the show got postponed and then uh the rebooking dates it was kind of interesting because it was like this western canadian tour and the dates that they had rescheduled they ended up just flat out canceling the edmonton show because I think they were trying to work around – there was uh, a bunch of flooding in BC, like the main highway to get out to Vancouver. Um, and so they were working around like that, not knowing if it would be back up in time to like make that trek and stuff. And, and I think Edmonton must have just been booked. So they ended up just flat out canceling our show, but all the rest of the shows went on uh, as planned. So I was a little bit bummed. But uh, How far is it to Calgary? Four or five hours? Uh, it's actually only – I want to say like two and a half to three hours, depending on where in Calgary it is. But like it was the Calgary show, I think ended up being like a weeknight. And I was like, I can't, I can't make that work. And then I didn't even check to see if there were tickets because all the other shows originally had, I think sold out. So I'm like, I don't even know if tickets were available for the rescheduled date or not, but I just ended up passing on it. They're actually coming back to Edmonton in September here. They're playing a two day festival, uh, called super friendly with like ignites playing it. I think Good Riddance is playing it. Uh, Comeback Kid. Uh, there's a bunch of a bunch of bands that I'm like ah. Oh, I should see if I can get to that one because Propaganda's been like that one band who I haven't I haven't like this was the first time I can remember knowing they were coming and like being able to get tickets for it. And so I was a little bit bummed when it got uh, when it got canceled. But one of these days. I'll see, yeah. those, see those guys. But um, yeah, they're a band that I know the first, like my real introduction to them after hearing their name float around for a while was Today's Empire's Tomorrow's Ashes. Like that was the first record of theirs I bought. And I just remember being blown away by the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming in the lyric book, I think it talked about, you know, obviously like what a lot of the songs were about, but then also that CD was like an enhanced CD and I think it had like a documentary or something on it. And I was just like, Holy shit. Like, cause this was at a time where, you know, like I was talking about those kind of the more pop punk bands that were introducing me to that world. And like, as I was kind of venturing out looking for something a little bit more and intro, you know, getting introduced to bands like good riddance and stuff like that, that I was kind of really starting to fall in love with propaganda. was just kind of next in line and then going like, man, like there, there's so much for you to consume and digest, uh, when you put on a propaganda record.
0: Oh yeah. I've been on, uh, there's a, a the podcasts, uh, uh, unscripted,
1: unscripted moments. moments. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, I've been on twice because nice. I, I, I adore how infinitely nuanced their music is. Yeah. Um, I was first introduced to them where I had how to clean everything, uh, yeah. Brian, who is the other guitar player in LA who I've known since I was a kid, uh, had a copy of the CD and, uh, I wore that fucking thing out and then let's talk more rock as well. And then, um, uh, I remember when, uh, today's empires, tomorrow's ashes came out. It was so radically different that at yeah. first I was a little bit like niffed by it maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I was young and I was the perfect age to listen to that, that, uh, Epiphat punk that sounds like cartoon music and yeah, likes yeah. and and that's what i was listening to so it was radically different and then uh i mean the older i got and the more time i spent with the records the more i realized that propaganda is a band that won't even put out records unless it's better than the last one
1: sure yeah they are one of those bands definitely that you can make an argument for me anyways you can make an argument to my ear that any record outside of actually like how to clean everything. And for me, less talk more rock that you can make an argument that it's their best record. Like those first two, I've never, like there are some songs I like and then some, some songs where I'm like, ah, you know, whereas the rest of them I'm just kind of like, yeah, like it's absolute, you know, like great song after great song. We actually had, um, Russ Rankin on the show quite a while ago. Now it was, I want to say it must've been like 20, it was 20, 2021, I think. Uh, so last year, but, um, and he actually talked about propaganda and he talked about the song, Dear Coach's Corner. And he said, it is in his mind, the best punk song ever written. Like he says, it's so good. It makes him want to stop writing because he's <laughs> never going to be able to match up to that sort of thing. Right now, obviously Russ Rankin and, you know, Chris Hanna, they've got very different writing styles and, you know, uh, please keep doing what you're doing. Cause I, I love good riddance too, but, um. Yeah, like they are just one of those bands that you know, I like what you said, where they won't put out another record unless it's going to be better than the last one.
0: Yeah, I mean, and th- so with this song in particular, so before Potemkin City Limits came out, I got a uh, a, 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 I ordered a, a mix, a comp from G7 Welcoming Committee Records, yeah. is their record label they used to have that's yeah. defunct now. Uh, it's called take penicillin now. And it had a, uh, like a demo version of this song
1: on it. Cool, yeah.
0: And, uh, there were a couple of other songs that I liked from that comp as well, but I listened to this song on repeat because, uh, I mean, obviously it, it was, it was 2004 when I got the comp. Um, uh, and obviously in the United States are we in the heat of, uh, Blind nationalistic jingoism, uh, yeah. war in Iraq, rah rah. Yeah, these colors don't run patriotism in the post 911 world or whatever. And, um, we were sort of as punks being fed by fat wreck and by punk voter this like salvo where it's like just vote for a Democrat and right. like that'll be. The, the, you know then all of a sudden everything bad that is happening will go away because you know Democrats are better than Republicans objectively whatever um, <laughs> and uh, and it was just all this like support our troops rah rah bullshit everywhere you looked and I was living in a conservative part of the country and uh, this song all but comes right out and says. I don't know you shit just because you're a fucking soldier and and like you're just poor people being ex- exploited like anybody yeah. else and uh it really like had like a, a, a an unrepentant take on American militarism at a time when I think I really needed it yeah. and <laughs> like and the punk scene really needed it mm. um and so this song I think it is one of the if not the best political punk songs
1: yeah well it's it's interesting like bringing in those themes because for me like dear coach's corner was something that kind of introduced those thoughts to me as well but as you know being a canadian uh growing up loving hockey specifically now this is something that happens you know at sporting events all over at least north america i don't know how much it happens you know in european countries and stuff like that but but just like the celebration of the military and you know this and like I'd never really thought about it like yeah I've literally watched hockey games where soldiers have rappelled down from the rafters as part of some pre-game you know ceremony thing and I'm like like what does this have to do with hockey right like what does this have to do with what's going on and so they were for sure like a band that kind of opened my eyes to you know like how much, how much does society, Western society, because it's what I know, like how much does it celebrate that sort of stuff? Right. Like, and, and just like the struggle with that. Like I, I have family members that were in the military and that are still very, you know, not active military, but still very connected to it, obviously with everything that they'd, you know, spent 30 years of their lives doing or whatever. Right. Like, um, so it's, it's just kind of wild and forever, you know, Canada was like always known as, oh, we're this like peacekeeping country. So when all this stuff is going on, it's our soldiers that are there that are taking care of, you know, the, the, I guess, victims or whatever you want to call them, right? Like in these war torn countries, but then kind of slowly after nine eleven, and and you, you saw that ramp up in the States, like Canada's just always sort of been a country that sort of follows in, you know, the lead of the United States. And we're even seeing it now with stuff that's been going on in the country, you know, up here and stuff. And I'm just like, why, (laughs) you know? So like propaganda is just one of those bands for sure. Like at the same time, they'll obviously dive into like on this record in particular, Potemkin, like, I love the song bringer of greater things. And like this, what it teaches, because in Canada, you know, we're just seeing now like all these, um, discoveries I guess you could say uncovering of you know like these mass unmarked graves at uh, residential schools where you know indigenous children were taken from their homes you know, from their parents and uh, a lot of them abused and died and you know and like that wasn't something we learned about in school but they were singing about it in 2005 when you know it's like 15 years later finally that really starts to come to the forefront here like and is like talked about regularly like it's it's wild some of those things that they were like talking about long before they were even everyday conversation.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say uh the idea of uh the Canadian military being peacekeepers As don't you ask any First Nations person what they're Yes, think?
1: exactly, right? Like but, that's uh, that's the thing. I mean the, the, the thing that it,
0: that I mean propaganda is is the most practiced, nuanced uh <laughs> uh political punk band there is i mean there's so much to unpack in in every single one of their songs and it really helped me formulate my uh, political opinions about the world more than any other band because uh i mean they put the time in to to make it as intricate and ornate as possible Mm. and then deliver it better than any other punk band there is. Like yeah, even yeah. if Propagandi isn't my favorite punk band, they're the best punk band that has ever existed. Right. I mean, the the best drums, the best guitar riffs, the best guitar solos and the craziest fucking lyrics. Yeah. And yeah. they I mean, they demand to be taken seriously and they make they take great pains to make it so that you can't do otherwise.
1: Right. Now, Propagandi for me is a band that their strength is kind of also their their downfall a little bit for me in that with each song, with each record, there's so much to digest that they are not a band that I can just put on and be like, Oh, what do I want to listen to right now? You know, I'm say uh, I'm making supper or whatever. Like I just want to put something on. They are not one of those bands where I can do that. So the amount of time that I end up spending with the band is a lot less than some other bands. And, you know, and you said right there, like they may not be your favorite punk band, you know but there's an argument that they are the best punk band uh which i can i can see that argument for sure but uh you know it's not every day i want to sit down and and have to you know feel like i'm preparing to write my thesis when i listen to a band you know um yeah. having said that you know we i'm i'm aware of one of my favorite songwriters of all time because of propaganda like john k sampson is you you mentioned Pedro the Lion earlier. So like David Bazan and John K. Sampson are probably when it comes down to crafting songs and writing lyrics are more than likely number one and two on my list of just like all time favorite writers. Now, Dave Bazan musically, I kind of typically get more drawn to than John K., some of John K.'s stuff. But when I sit down with a John K. record, what I absolutely love is the fact that you know, similarly to propaganda where, you know, like Chris Hanna will write about Canadian history on some of this, you know, and, and bring up these things, um, these issues and what have you, uh, in Canada. And I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I know people who have firsthand experience of that or this or that John Kay would write songs or does write songs about like small town Canada, who gives a shit about this place sort of thing. Right. But he's like, I'm going to write songs about it because it's what I know. And you know, you're going to, you're going to love it. And (laughs) every time, you know, he writes a song about, you know, cruise night riding around the Dairy Queen parking lot on his 10 speed. I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I can, I, I know exactly what you're singing about, you know? (laughs) So The
0: (laughs) thing I love about John K Sampson is Mm -hmm. that, uh, he, he tends to make like the, you know, these things that are (laughs) benign or ordinary makes them, kind of precious you know what it, it's yeah. sort of like the songwriting equivalent of wes anderson's filmmaking sure yeah where where it's like everything is so uh, like it's precious it's fucking adorable like yeah. you, you you took something that it like you're literally that's first song on left and leaving is just a list of shit yeah
1: that,
0: that you were selling at a garage sale you <laughs> know and it's like but somehow it it he adds it peppers in little lines that are just that will make you feel things. I mean like it's mm-hmm. it's he's an incredible songwriter like almost nobody else and Chris yeah. Hannes is that way too the the difference is, is that you can listen to weaker than song or a John K. Hampson song and you can get the whole package and you mm-hmm. can you can leave the song having understood everything that just occurred yeah, 100%, and propaganda's yeah. like, do your fucking homework Honestly, yeah. you know yeah. and, I don't mean, always want
1: to do homework. And, well, and that's what I was saying earlier. I think, though, with John Kay, is that, like, I feel like he could, like, because Chris Hanna, lyrically, I feel like, gets as much in there as he can, right? Like, he knows the story he wants to tell or the message he wants to to send to get across, and he's going to do it in whatever way it needs to be done. Whereas I think, like, with John Kay, I feel he's a lot more, like, straight up, poetic i guess maybe is the word you know he may leave some details out to get the story across but he's also not typically in his songs from one to the next trying to educate you or trying to you know get you um you know amped up about a cause or an injustice or what have you right like uh he's he's not typically you know um He's not typically writing songs with that goal in mind. So, he can leave some of those things out to make the song flow a little more and to make you feel a little more um settled, I guess, in a song.
0: Yeah, it's like uh him leaving propaganda is like uh, it's like a divorce that's for the better.
1: Sure. You know, yeah, yeah. now we get two Christmases, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Let's get into uh, your band. I also got you to pick three of your songs and uh my introduction to your band was actually the new album, the best of all possible worlds. And um here's the thing. I like, I th- I feel like I, when I sent, I sent the record to a friend and I was like, you have to check this out, like the new record. And his response was, I think I've heard of these guys before. Like, I think I remember them. And I was like, yeah, they had this name when I saw it come up. And I wasn't sure if it was just like, you know, John Elway is why I'm thinking Elway or what have you, right? But I was like, yeah, there's something seemed familiar about it too. But when I looked you up on Apple Music, it was just this record that was coming up. So then when you sent me the three songs and only one of them was off this record, I was like, well, where are these other ones? Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, and I don't know if it happens on Spotify. But if you search Elway on Apple Music you, to find your records, it's under two different artists. So the new record is under one artist, both called Elway, mind you, and then the other records that these songs came from are on a different Elway, <laughs> and I don't know why, but that's the way it is. Um, so I was tired, huh? What's
0: that? Computers are fucking tight. Huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've had that come up a few times with different artists. I'm like, I'm sure there's more here. And then you look and sure enough, it's just whatever listed under the same name, but a different artist. Um, so anyway, uh, I was, I was pretty pumped then when I found out there's actually more music from you guys out there. So, uh, that was, that was exciting. But the first song, the records. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The first song that uh, you picked is off of your record leave taking, which came out in 2013. And, uh, It's called, is that, what is that? Patria. Patria Mia. Patria Mia. It's Italian, is that what you said? And what does it mean? My native land. Okay, so this is uh, Patria Mia, room 20. Was about to start talking, <laughs> and then that little <laughs> lick came in at the end. Um, a couple things about that song. First, I absolutely love the riff in the chorus, like when it comes in, because it kind of changes direction of the song a little bit, at least the feel of it. Um, secondly, that build into the bridge or the outro or whatever you want to call it at the end is phenomenal, and then when the drums actually go to like the you know, just a straightforward punk beat. I'm like, man, they just keep, like, kind of taking things up a notch. And then when you think, okay, just going to play it out, um, you know, maybe the song's going to fade out or we got a couple bars and we'll just hang out on that last chord or whatever, that kind of finishing riff comes in that gives me, this might be weird and I can't pinpoint it, but it gives me Counting Crows vibes. I don't know what it is about the lick if it's, like, you know, like early, say, like, Angels of the Silences kind of, or Angels of the Silence, whatever the song song title is but there's something in it where I'm like why does this remind me of Counting Crows and vocally on this song it feels similar and I know you kind of compared your sound a little bit earlier to like um, living in that whole world of the Lawrence Arms but like vocally I get that same sort of feeling that I got when listening to the Lawrence Arms song chapter 13 earlier where I'm like oh there's something very I always I use this word a lot when discussing music and certain elements, and maybe it's because I just don't have a better descriptor. But like, it it's, there's something comforting about the vocal delivery in this song. I don't know how to explain it necessarily. If it just invokes this feeling of you know, like a nostalgic sort of like uh, you're obviously telling a story in this song. Um, so like this nostalgic sort of feeling, like uh, a, a bit of longing or whatever it is, but. In the end, it, it doesn't matter because it all just encompasses and, and creates um, what I think is a, a pretty great song. So why was this one of your picks for for El, for an Elway song?
0: I mean, so <laughs> a little piece of trivia about the riff and the chorus first off yeah. is yeah. that... Um, <laughs> Art Alexakis from Everclear tweeted uh, about how much he loved this song and it was like the best day of my life.
1: <laughs> uh, That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it was fucking sick. But uh, I picked this song because it's sort of like, it's it's one of our favorites to play live. and It's one of my favorite songs we ever wrote uh, because it's like sort of, emblematically Elway, uh, in a way. So like Mm. the song is, is, is named after an Ezra pound poem and it contains a reference or two to, uh, to Ezra pound, uh, talking about how much he loves New York city basically. Mm. But, uh, this, this song was written during a time when we were, uh, touring constantly and like, uh, and always on the run and, um, just really reminds me of that time in our career, and um, we uh <laughs> we we added the like the parenthetical to the song title that yeah. Room 20 because yeah. uh when we were on tour in 2012, uh, Tony Sly from No Use for Name died, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, there's a song at the end of the No Use for Name record More Betterness called yeah. Room yeah. 19. and i borrowed a little bit of the melody for the verses
1: interesting now now i'm gonna have to go back and listen to it (laughs) it
0: hence room 20 it's 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 room 19 adjacent but uh (laughs) it just i don't know i really like this song i really like a fucking a patient build and i like that it's a song in three parts sort of you know 100 yeah uh and just i don't know an early an early fave elway song of mine and i just I love playing
1: it live. Yeah. Yeah, that that slow build, I think um because I don't know how often this happens to you, but I love music with builds in it. But it often it often feels like when listening to a song you're like, okay, they're building towards something. Where a lot of times I feel Maybe a little bit let down by the build where I'm like, oh, I wish it kind of like either, you know, if it's like a build where they hit, you know, halftime and it's just like big sound. I'm like, I wish it just felt more, you know, oomph. Or I wish, you know, a lot of times you'll have songs that build and then they're like, ha, just kidding. And it's like the false build and they just end right as it's supposed to crescendo, right? Like right as it's supposed to like explode. But with a song like this, the build is... Not that the build is subdued. You said it was slow, which I think works, right? Like where it kind of, as the elements change, it's one of those songs where I'm like, oh maybe I wasn't expecting that to happen, right? Like, um, where all of a sudden it goes into like just the straightforward, you know, like double time punk beat or whatever. And then, uh, when the riff comes in, where are you thinking, where, you know, at least when I was listening to it, I was thinking the song was going to be done. It's like, oh no, there's still got a few more bars because we've introduced this riff now. And then you even, you know, fool us a little bit at the end by having a little like closer, um, (laughs) which, which I thought was great, but, Uh, yeah, the, the build for sure, the like gang vocal sort of thing that you got going on, like it, it ties, I think it ties everything together and definitely feels, you, you know, you said it felt like a song in three parts or what have you. And knowing that the journey, I think that the song kind of goes on, which, so is the song about touring or, um, because I, I, if I recall, like thinking back, I think you do, do you have lines about getting in the van?
0: Yeah, getting in my big-ass van, just like yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Running in that (laughs) big-ass
1: van, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the song is about what would be like Patria Mia, uh, like my homeland or like my native land. This talks about, I mean, a time in the band's history when we were on the road all of the time and that was our native land at the time. So, yeah, it's a song about being in a band with the people that you love the absolute most
1: in the world. Yeah, well, which I think, you know, that's... I think definitely calling that time in your life a journey and a journey that you're still on, I think is fair. And so I think the song kind of encompasses that with you know the the different parts or what have you. I think that's pretty rad. but um, let's get into the next song that you picked, which is uh, the title track off uh, your 2015 album, which is called Better Whenever. half of a song a slow build (laughs) (laughs) fucking love it man that was fantastic uh and i think i i I love how the lyrics during that slow build though are so like specific um clearly it seems like it's a song about distance between you and someone important in your life
0: i mean it's a a love song
1: yeah yeah (laughs) um but like so just the lines about you know like hopping on the different, you know, modes of transportation. I was a little bit bummed that you didn't mention a van. Um <laughs> but then, you know, talking about driving, paying for flights, like just doing all this stuff. It's like just to be together. And uh yeah, no man, that was that was a great song. The the first half before the slow build started, I was actually getting kind of like like promise ring vibes out of the whole thing, which I love. Like they're a band that um I've loved for many years. So that was that was great. And then And then that builds. So tell me a little bit about this song. Actually, I did want to ask. So just comparing those two songs, I don't know uh, if there were any recordings in between those two full lengths or not, but this, this record definitely sounds different. Uh, Was that, you know, like a conscious choice or was it, you went with a different engineer producer or what, you know, it it sounds a little more like a little raw and drier, maybe if that makes sense
0: yeah well so the when we signed to red scare in 2010 we told uh toby jagger runs the label that we we really wanted to record with matt allison matt allison's the guy who recorded the Lawrence arms the greatest story ever told i i sure, still sure. consider him to be the the greatest living punk producer
2: yeah
0: um he did alkaline trios god damn it i mean yeah. like you know what are you gonna do Fucking not part, like perfect albums yeah and um when we signed to Red Scare, we were like a fucking ragtag <laughs> fly by night group of drunks. By no means like a, a a good. We're still not like a very tight live band, you know. Like we're yeah. a lot better than we used to be, but still like it's it's um. So the first two records that we did, uh, uh, Delusions and Leave Taking on Red Scare, we recorded both of those with Matt Allison, and they mm. and they sound like you're pretty standard well-produced modern orgcore punk records, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we uh, spent so much time on the road that we kind of were just like, let's self-produce a record and make it kind of sound a little bit more like the band that we actually are. Yeah. Uh, and so the most of that, most of all of that was recorded live. There's uh, some vocal overdubs and stuff and a few like little guitar things. And, uh, that was, but we we really wanted to make a a, a, a simpler raw record in the room that we uh, started the band practicing in, basically. Um, right. And so that 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 explains the the gulf in recording quality because it is like a it is like a step down, but also it's just it's that song is our most played song on Apple Music and Spotify. Funny, yeah. I, I, I think that it. I think that the quality, the the strength of the song, defies uh, production. You know, well, like we were talking yeah. about this all the way at the beginning of this interview, where it's like sometimes the stuff that's recorded, uh, not as well, but 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 is a better vehicle for the song. Sometimes that's the best shit.
1: Hundred uh, percent, and and I don't think like what I was asking was necessarily that it was a step down. In production at all it's just more like it's a it's a noticeable change and i was i guess wondering like if that was something that you know as a band you're like we wanted to try something a little different or if it was just the result of working with a specific producer but um because it it definitely it creates a whole different like i've, I've talked about this with different artists on the show just about creating an atmosphere on a record i guess and it, it just creates this atmosphere on the record that makes it I think probably in your library from what I've heard just like unique to that album. You know what yeah. I mean? Like instead of all albums sounding the same, you know, some bands obviously fall under that where it's like, well, album 1 to album 10 all just fucking sound the same. Like, <laughs> you know, that is what it is whereas like with something like this, I'm like, oh, it provides a change. Like if I'm going to listen to, you know, if I'm on a road trip and I'm like I'm going to listen to, you know, Elway's discography, it's going to be nice because there's going to be a change of Pace or a change of, um, you know, just like sonic presentation uh, yeah, over the course. Yeah, I mean,
0: the other thing about better whenever the record is that uh, I mean, we 2012 or or 2013 and, yeah. uh, and 2014. I mean, both of those years we played like 200 shows each year.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, we were just out constantly on tour and playing with punk bands and, and being a punk band and then we were just kind of fucking getting a little bit sick of punk. Yeah. Uh, I still have like a little bit of that in me where I'm like I you know it's a it's a punk band I don't want to listen to <laughs> a little bit. I still listen to punk all the time. So I don't know yeah. who I'm yeah. actually lying to, but
1: uh, <laughs> you're but just selective. It,
0: yeah, I was we were just a little bit burnt out. We we're like, let's do something different. Let's yeah. make a record that's like that song is so the the first half of that song where as I like a promise ring comparison, but the, yeah. it, it's sort of a pay-in to uh uh the song Curse Your Branches by David Bazan. Sure.
1: Fuck. So yeah, bring them back. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, similar similar chord structure. I mean what we were when that album came out, "Cruiser branches in 2009, I mean, it became a, a permanent fixture of my musical yeah. lexicon. And so I've always wanted to be able to like approach songwriting in a way that's similar to his, and I'll never be able to, but the beginning of that song is my best attempt. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this is just like a song that when I wrote it, I, I, um, I wrote it in, uh, spirit Lake, Iowa at a friend's lake house. I just, everybody was like partying and, drunk and I took like a couple of moments to go sit on the front porch yeah. and write what was in my head and I and I remember being convinced at the time that this is the best song I've ever written in my life and uh I still in some small way believe it too. Yeah. Uh, I love I fucking love the song. We close every show with this song uh for the most part. Yeah. And uh cuz I just think it's I don't know. It, it it's it's a really great representation of a time where we wanted to make something for ourselves and, uh, and we, we just fucking like did it. And it, I mean, it's, it transcends like the popularity of the band or whatever. Like it's, it, it it doesn't matter if it's another album cycle or whatever, like that's the song that people tend to gravitate towards the Mm -hmm. most. And I, I mean, like, I can't fucking say I blame them.
1: Nice. yeah no that's fan like uh, i love the idea of it as like a show closer because when the build finally like releases i guess you could say and like vocally like you're you're yelling um it's just it's very cathartic uh i think and i can see a lot of people you know like at shows uh just yelling along every single word you know so um that's that's pretty great but you brought i got you to bring one more song and i thought it was interesting that uh so like apple music i again i don't know who is in charge of this but like so they've got genres right so uh the first song was listed as an alternative song that last one was listed as a punk song and now this one is listed as emo so (laughs) you know whatever and emo in all caps which is funny to me as well i don't know why it deserves why it gets to be in all caps but um off the latest record that uh, just came out earlier this year called The Best of All Possible Worlds. Uh, this song is called Maximum Entropy. And this is what he
0: said on his way to Armageddon.
1: Record, yeah. So, is that does that kick off side B?
0: No, that's the uh, end of side A. I was
1: just i was gonna say, it, it feels like it either would kick off side B with like that little uh, uh, Armageddon, like uh, little vocal thing at the beginning, or the way that song ends feels like it would be a closer to a side. But uh, that's uh, what is that clip at the beginning?
0: Uh, so that's a song called So Long Mom, I'm Off to Drop the Bomb by Tom Lehrer.
1: Okay. It's, uh, it's quite a way to, to start a song. <laughs> like it, uh, it gets hooked. It gets stuck in my head, but, um, yeah, man, like this. So when this record came out, I'm thinking it must've come out, uh, like the day I was, I was hopping on a plane, flying across the country to go visit my parents. Cause I, I know I listened to it on the plane just a bunch of times, just sort of sitting there and it's kind of funny because I must've pre-added it at some time. I think you guys must've released a single, And maybe it was actually, this was a single, right? This song came out. Yeah. 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 So it might've been this song where, uh, cause every week we do like a playlist, uh, thing where we 11 new songs that were released within the last week or whatever. And I know, I think it was this one that made it one time. So I pre-added the record, uh, when, when I first heard you guys. And when I first put the record on, I was a little bit like, oh, it's not quite what I was expecting, you know? Cause like this song start, like it, it, goes pretty hard right like um and i feel i could be wrong but for whatever reason like in my brain i'm thinking like the record itself doesn't quite start that same way and i was like oh mm-hmm. it it kind of builds a little bit the, the slow build talk um but but as the more i listen to this record it's uh it's it's like so good it's one that i want to kind of come back to and uh just that little you know the little armageddon vocal thing at the beginning is like this kind of like jumping off point i feel where i'm like it p- kind of picks you back up again which is funny then that it's like the closer to side a so it picks you up then you're like now nah, i gotta flip this shit over because i gotta keep going you know what i mean like um it's a it's a it's a fun song to kind of throw in the middle of the album but why don't you tell us a little bit about why uh why this was one of the ones that you went with
0: i mean so this is my favorite song off the new record uh i love this song i mm. think the, i think the lyrics are i mean they're my favorite lyrics i ever wrote um and I know that, you know, whenever a band puts out their new record, they're always like, oh, yeah, the new shit's the best shit we've right. ever done. It's like yeah. the Rolling Stones are going to come out with their best album. <laughs> but like, uh, I wrote this song uh, during the pandemic and I was like, God, it's just I fucking I was a little high on my own supply after I wrote it. I have to admit, yeah. I was I was like, uh it has everything that I want in a song. Where like I, I referenced my favorite Anne Sexton poem, and I referenced Contact, my favorite movie of all time, and then I just spent an entire fucking crazy pandemic night just in a Wikipedia wormhole reading about maximum entropy and the <laughs> and, and 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 like trying to write a song about like how. The universe is so chaotic, and it only gets more chaotic as time elapses that nothing will ever be the same again as it is now. The universe will end before that ever happens again. And it's all random collisions of matter and is inherently meaningless, and therefore. Uh, everything is imbued with meaning because of the scarcity and the uniqueness of every individual moment. I mean, I don't know, dude. I was out of my fucking gourd <laughs> but, and, and, and like wrote this song and I was like, it's exactly what I want to say.
1: Amazing. That's, I mean, that's incredible that when things like that kind of come together and you can say, yeah, no, like this is the message I was hoping to get across. Um, that's uh i don't know if i would have picked that up listening to it like that that wikipedia rabbit hole that you just mentioned but uh no man that's that's fantastic and it, it's it's a really it's a great song and it was um like i said it it essentially is what sold me on the band because i hadn't heard anything from you guys before that um doing this like weekly playlist thing has for sure introduced me to so many bands that I'm like, I probably should have been paying attention to you guys long before I actually started paying attention to you. And, and part of that is like, so with this podcast, I mean, it's called growing up punk, right? So the initial idea was literally me and my buddy Aaron talking about records that we grew up loving. Right. And so we didn't really dive a whole lot into newer stuff for the most part. Um, I mean we would we would listen to new music but we'd never really talk about it right because it was like well the idea of the show is you know we're basically we're talking about those 90s and early 2000s punk and skate punk bands you know that we've kind of glossed over a little bit here but um but as soon as we like kind of open that door and listening to newer music and like actually getting to talk about it and dive into it a little bit more like Holy crap, there's some bands where I'm like, why wasn't I listening to you? You know, we 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 listened to a song all the way back from 2013. That's almost 10 years ago now. Like, why what was I doing in 2013 where I wasn't listening to Elway, who apparently is a band that I think is pretty great, you know? So, uh this is the this is the song though that it took to, you know, in 2022 to sell me on your band. So, um that's pretty rad though that it that it eventually happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, hey, the that's an enviable position to be in because I think anyway because uh, when I first discovered bad religion when yeah. like David's dad showed me American Jesus man I had how could hell be any worse and into the unknown and suffer no control and against the grain and generator all to listen to because right, they yeah. had all they had all come out and so I had hours of music to listen to because i was you know i didn't discover it until later on or whatever i was just too young or it just didn't happen i love it when i find a band that i all of a sudden love you know what last year i got into manic street preachers sure yeah uh and like i'd never listened to manic street preachers at all uh and i listened to a song that i thought was fucking awesome and i was like wow they have a a fucking deep discography
1: yeah
0: and so i just spent you know two months just being like i'm a manic street preachers guy now and i'm just gonna listen to all of this shit and get into all these records how fucking cool that that the world with streaming services allows us to like well open pandora's box like
1: that 100 percent. and like i mean i would say again um it's a strength and kind of like the downfall a little bit with streaming though is like you literally can go out there and discover all these bands like okay now i've got you know, Elway, which obviously I've spent a good chunk of time listening to the new record, but now it's like, yeah, I can go back and listen to these, these older records. And then another example from tonight, like the Lawrence Arms, like those are bands I can go listen to now at the same time. There's so much out there that I find it almost harder now to like really like zone in on a band, if that makes sense. Like when discovering something new, like being like, okay, I'm going to, especially if it's, you know, not a, you know, if it's a case where there are three, four, five, six, seven records, whatever, right. That I'm just discovering this band is like, how much time can I spend with these guys? It's all there and it's all at my disposal, but, uh, there's, there's so much distraction out there at the same time, you know? Um, which is, you know, like I I asked you about the, if there's a vinyl release for this record, because like collecting vinyl, that's one of the reasons I kind of like, I originally started collecting vinyl back in would have been 2003. Like my grandfather, uh, he was moving out of their, you know, family home into like a condo. Right. And so he had this, um, you know, like one of those like record players that was literally like a cabinet, like a piece of furniture. He's like, I can't take this with me. Do you want it? And so at the time I was like living in a basement with, you know, with some roommates and whatever. I didn't have a ton of space, but I was like, Okay. Like I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but sure, I'll take it. And so I get it, and he gave me like a couple jazz records cuz I didn't have anything. I needed something to play on it, right? And he was a big jazz fan, so he gave me a couple jazz records. And then initially I was like, "Oh, yeah, well, vinyl. I'm just going to like listen to old stuff on it, right? Like whether it's jazz or like classic rock, you know, like the the dollar bin sort of stuff." I wasn't going to go out and buy newer stuff. Although one of the first records I purchased was very emergency by the promise ring. Uh, I found it like in a used record store and I was like, you know, pretty sweet. And I've still, it's probably the oldest, like the record I've had the longest cause I do still have it. But, but anyway, you know, and then I stopped collecting for a while because I was just like, well, what you know, I got to sit at home and listen to this and, you know, Records weren't really a thing for that long, you know, for, for a while anyways. And then they started coming back and I started, you know, once streaming services became a thing, I'm not buying CDs. Everything is on my phone. I'm missing like that focused of just sitting down with a record, with an album. And so, that's where vinyl collecting came back with a vengeance for me. And now, you know, it's like I spend probably too much money on it, but (laughs) it is what it is. And, uh, but it's, it's all about that physical, I think, enjoyment of listening to music and not just it being easily, you know, extremely disposable, if that's the right word.
0: Right. Sure. I mean, we're bombarded with it. Right. (laughs) But I mean, the thing is that some people, they'll come a time sooner than you and I probably think where it's like, uh, vinyl collecting is even more bespoke or whatever than it is now, or yeah, it's yeah. like even more esoteric to have a vinyl collection, yeah. But the, the key is like what makes you connect with the music directly. And mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have records, my parents had a record player, but I was downloading MP3s illegally off the internet and yeah, listening yeah, to totally shit on like, my yeah. Winamp or whatever. Yeah. And because it was so hard to get it, I had fewer albums, I spent more time with them 100%. But, yeah. Even with a a world where you can just stream whatever the fuck you want, You I mean I fi- you fixate I anyway I fixate on different things, different bands, different albums or whatever, but just in a different way. Where it's like, I mean, if something grabs me, it's not by virtue of necessity that I listen to it over and over again, but it, it's yeah. because I really, really like it and keep coming yeah. back to
1: it. You know? That's I mean, and that's a a great point because there definitely is something about you know, when it was, when you were buying CDs, you know, when you're a teenager or whatever, you could probably only afford to get CDs every now and then. So it was like, what you had was what you could listen to. So if you happen to buy something that it turned out, you were like, ah, it's okay. You still had to spend time with it because it was like, you couldn't just like necessarily move on to the next thing. Right. Cause you just spent 15 bucks on it or whatever of hard earned money. But sometimes I do have to like also like pace myself a little bit, I find with a record, like when glow on by turnstile came out last year, I listened to that record so much that I was like, okay, I need to stop because it, it's very much a record that I love, but there are elements about it where it's going to burn out on me really quickly. Right. So I'm like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta listen to something else. I can't just keep listening to this, but, um, yeah, it is such like, Music nowadays, we are definitely living in a golden age for discovering music because you don't have to really take a risk. Like even if you don't have a subscription to Apple Music, well, you can listen to Spotify for free, right? Like it's not the best option, but you can do it. You can go on YouTube and you can listen to it for free. Like you don't have to even necessarily pay a subscription fee. You can just listen to ads to help pay for that a little bit to discover new stuff, right? Like it's it's honestly crazy. Like I don't think I could have ever imagined when i was a kid having to you know run a paper route so i could buy you know the latest record from whoever that one day for 10 to 15 dollars a month i could listen to whatever i wanted you know
0: i mean it is strange it's just your relationship changes Mm -hmm. uh in in aspect to the music that you listen to when it is so readily available but nowadays i fuck a david's dad showing me fucking american jesus uh now there's an algorithm that's like well you've listened to these yeah. things yeah. so here are things that are similar which like i don't know it takes a little bit of the heart and soul out of it but i mean bit. it's undeniable
2: yeah. but
0: uh there are times of plenty though i mean and yeah. that's yeah. and that's uh i mean i i think that's ultimately a good thing
1: yeah
0: uh, but don't I, quote me i guess
1: <laughs> i kind of oh it's recorded now um i kind of <laughs> compare that like artist suggestion thing you know on spotify or apple music or whatever to when you would go through you know you bought a cd and you went through the liner notes and they always had the thank yous at the back and there would be a list of bands right And like that's how i discovered a lot of bands where it wasn't necessarily you know my friend being like check this out because i mean that was another way and that still happens like i just recorded an episode with a guy last night and when we were done recording he's like Oh man, you should check out, since we were talking about this record, you should check out this record by this band. And the next thing I you know, I'm like listening to that record on repeat. Cause like, it was, you know, I was like, Holy shit, this is good. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's music discovery these days is we're we are spoiled. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. You know, you can not only to discover it, but for, you know, in a way I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of my ass a little bit with this because I don't do this, but but like musicians like they can get their music up and exposed and out to people you know so much easier than you know, when I was playing in my high school band back in, you know, the year 2000 or whatever, right? Where it was like, the only way people were going to hear me is if they came and saw me sort of thing, right? Like, and now people can stumble across you as they're like going through band camp or whatever, right? Like just sure. going down rabbit holes.
0: Well, I mean, it's like, okay, so there, there'll be, there's definitely been times in my in my uh, <laughs> career, I use that term so loosely, <laughs> but as a, as a musician, um, where uh a band will just come will just crop up and get so fucking popular so fast mm-hmm. and like be like oh, i don't know they're from brooklyn and they have played like four or five shows in brooklyn and put out like a demo or an ep that everybody fucking loves and then all of a sudden they're just on tour with a huge band yeah. and they're yeah. like getting in front of huge audiences and making money and being popular There's an article in fucking Pitchfork about him. And I'd be like, fuck these guys. These guys never fucking (laughs) slept in a room full of dog shit in fucking Omaha or whatever. Like, you never played in front of six people in Jacksonville, Florida, who, like, actively fucking hated you because you mentioned you were Jewish before the set or something. Like, the the entire idea of it being like, uh, you got to fucking dance for your dinner. You have to work uh, for that exposure. I don't necessarily think that that's really where it's yeah, at yeah. these days. Yeah. <laughs> I do harbor some of those uh, resentments, but only in the quietest ways. Yeah. Uh, now it's like, shit, man, if you find a way to make people connect with your music uh, via the Internet and people just love the shit out of it, no matter mm. if they heard it in a TikTok video or if they heard it in a in a uh, algorithmically curated playlist, being able to connect with music is the whole reason why you have a fucking podcast you know yeah. like it's it's important and it, and that hasn't changed even if the technology has
1: yeah well and that that's just it like i mean podcasts now are essentially doing what you know zines did way back you know in the day or um just friends like this like i said this show started as just two friends sitting around talking about music right like now most of the stuff we were talking about was stuff that had been around for years and chances are our audience that we were speaking to, uh, knew about it already and had listened to it and, you know, loved it as well, but to grow it and be able to say like, now let's, you know what? I like the idea of also, you know, along those lines, introducing people to new music. Now, obviously the first half of this episode we talked about songs that a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with. Right. But, um, it's, uh, the idea is, introducing people to new music and getting kind of back to that thing that made music really exciting. I think at that point in your life where it was like, Oh, this band is blowing my mind right now. And I heard about them this way or whatever. Right. Like, uh, just something like you said to connect to, um, which I think, yeah, is, is incredible. And that's, that's why people love music. Yeah. It's
0: the best feeling in the world, really.
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Thanks for doing this. This was a lot of fun and uh, I kept you up pretty late. So thanks for being cool about that.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I'm in your time zone, so. I mean, oh, you are? Oh, so, sick. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Denver, so I'm in oh, yeah, yeah. mountain
1: time. That's even better. So it's not nearly as late. All right, cool. I was, for whatever reason in my brain, um, I was thinking you were on, uh, on the, in the Eastern time zone. So uh, no, that, that's even better, man. Well, Cool. <laughs> thanks for not staying up quite as late as I thought it was. Yeah, well thanks for having me. It's super fun.